And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi for Me Radio is live from the bunker. the bunker back from the holiday break hope all of you had a good christmas good hanukkah we've got new year's right around the corner my name is jason honda the editor here at sci-fi for me happy to have all of you with us if you are here with us live we are broadcasting live to facebook odyssey and youtube that may change in 2023 we're also available in podcast form on various different players want to give a shout out to the people who are listening to us in iran france germany poland the uk ireland canada australia japan india happy to have all of you with us and i do invite you to check out the live video or the repeat video uh so uh so you can see and hear all of the things going on because sometimes sometimes we have things on the show that don't translate to radio quite as well as they should. So anyway, uh, what I give a shout out, let's say hi to everybody. Cam's here, Keely's here, Dave's here, Death Angel Shadow's here. We survived the Arctic freeze of 2022, Death Angel Shadow says. Yes, we did. And looking at the new studio, look, no, the the lights are off. Uh, The lights are off because I don't want you to see yet. Uh, We're going to have a reveal on uh, Friday, which is the big 5-0-0. Uh, We'll be doing doing a a big show on Friday. It will be open line Friday. As well as uh, we're going to send, I'm going to send emails out today to past guests. Uh, I meant to do that earlier this week. I'm still compiling my list. I've got so much stuff to do, and uh, so I'll be I'll be sending out emails to invite people to come back and just pop in. You know, have a little come and go party. You know, show up, say what you're working on lately. How's it going? How you how you doing? And then. Uh, they they can go and go do their thing and and other people can pop up. Who knows who's going to show up on Friday? <coughs> There's a long potential guest list. We'll see what happens. And it could very well be that I crash the entire system because I'm going to use both Zoom and StreamYard. I could destroy it all on Friday. So, okay, so yeah, that's 1 p.m. Eastern on Friday, number 500, the last broadcast of the se- of, of the year. I'd say that, the last live broadcast of the year, because over the weekend, we will more than likely pop out a, uh, a, a weather forecast, because there are events going on next, next weekend, so uh, <coughs> Mindy is working on that, I'm sure we'll, we'll have... Some kind of a video out this weekend. It won't be a full Good Morning Multiverse. We're back on that on January 7th. 
but uh, we'll probably have a, a Comic-Con weather uh, update video puff out this weekend. So, uh, so be sure that you are subscribed for that. Now, see, speaking of subscriptions, yesterday we had a little bit of a mini milestone. A little Star Wars Easter egg nugget in our subscriber count over on YouTube, 2187. Which was the cell number for Princess Leia on the Death Star. And it didn't last. We're now back to 2185. I imagine YouTube probably clearing a bot or two. Uh, so <laughs> we need to get those numbers up. So I, 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 have, I have bought a book, ladies and gentlemen. I have bought, and again... This is one of those things in the 34 years that I have been doing media production and all of the things that I have learned and all of the things that I have forgotten and things that I kind of instinctively know and do and it's kind of just ingrained and whatnot. I keep looking for, you know, that continuing education stuff, the, the, the new information, new processes, new ways to do things. Try this, try that. Because we want to build our audience here. We want to get people to, to come to the channel and keep coming back to the channel. All that. <coughs> so all of these different things that we, you know, I'm looking at all these articles and these how-tos and these tutorial videos and whatnot and everything. And they keep suggesting all of these different things that we're already doing. I was like, yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing that too. I'm doing that. I've been doing that for five years. I know. I, I, yeah, I, yep, yep, yep. Got that. Uh, checking off all of the boxes, all of these different things to do to, to build your channel up. <laughs> so along those lines, I've got a new book. It's called Primal Branding. And it, it says, create zealots for your brand, your company, and your future. This is by Patrick Hanlon. So I'm going to read this book. And hopefully it will give me the golden goose magic bullet to turn all of you into my willing accomplices, my minions, my brand ambassadors to go out into the world and spread the word. I don't know. We'll see. All right. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things. Uh, Dave says, allow me to say now thank you to Jason and all the Sci-Fi for Me too, crew and all my fellow loyal listeners for making the past six months so enjoyable. Well, well thank you, Dave. That's, that's very kind of you to say. We like having all of you here, and we like having all of you come back. And uh, it, it, as long as we're delivering something that you find of value, then I think everything's going to be fine. So we'll just we'll just figure this out. But... I'm going to read this book, and then I'm going to hypnotize all of you, and you're going to do my bidding. Boodaloo, 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 right? At least, maybe. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, so, uh, today, we're going, to clear the, we're going to clear the decks on a few, a few news items. Uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, has crossed the billion-dollar mark. Uh, Variety here reporting today. <coughs> it is the fastest 2022 release to reach box office milestone. <coughs> uh, 
Uh, sailed past $1 billion in global tickets just 14 days, becoming the fastest movie this year to cross the coveted box office milestone. In total, only three films released in 2022 managed to surpass the billion-dollar mark, a short list that includes Top Gun Maverick, which took 31 days to clear the benchmark, and Jurassic World Dominion, which took more than four months to join the club. By comparison, nine movies released in 2019 surpassed $1 billion worldwide. And then the bug hit, right? <laughs> okay, so Dave asks a question here. What do zealots wear nowadays? Um, tune in on Friday. <coughs> I see what about in the chat. Good to see you. Uh, hello there. More bad blue movies. What about says. I, uh, I we'll see. I don't know. James Cameron has said that the that this needs to cross 2 billion in order to justify making the next sequels. And I think this okay, so this one is number 2. Number three, they shot two and three back to back. So number three is already in the production pipeline. But four and five, or four, five, however, whatever, whatever is after three, however many it is, those are going to depend on this one crossing two billion. And I don't think it's going to cross two billion. A billion five, maybe. Some people are saying billion seven. Who knows? I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to even do billion five. Honestly, it may have legs. Now, this could be one of those that tracks long, and we'll get into that here in a second. But it's one of those that it has. It's been slow starting out of the gate, and who knows? It's just going to be. It's just going to be a, a a wait and see type of thing. But it has cleared a billion. Uh, continuing in the in the Variety article, James Cameron's long-delayed sequel to Avatar opened in mid-December with 134 million in North America, 435 million globally, and it's remained a huge draw in the days since its release. So far, the Disney and 20th Century film has generated 317.1 million in North America, 712.7 overseas bringing its to global tally to 1.025 billion. You remember when Carl Sagan was about the only one who ever said billion? And now it's in the lexicon, right? <coughs> it's interesting that this article talks about how it's going to stay strong. It says here, Avatar, uh, Avatar 2 looks to stay strong into the new year, which is necessary to justify its massive price tag. Cameron estimated the $350 million budgeted movie, not including at least $100 million in marketing fees, needs to generate roughly $2 billion to break even, though analysts believe the threshold of profitability is probably closer to $1.5 billion. I'm, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go with Cameron's estimate. Because he's been doing this for a while, and the the cost of these things is the cost of these things is just going to increase because Cameron is one of those people who says hey let's find a new toy to play with let's find some new technology to show off and then think now i 
Dave's got a got a good question. Were those real butts in the seats? <coughs> I don't know. I don't know anybody that's seen it. I've seen a few people talking about it online, but I don't I I don't know. Uh Cam says billion is so passe, trillion is where it's at. I this goes back to something that I posted over on, on social media the other day. We need to start, we need to restart making smaller budget movies. We need to start, we need to get back to making the $10 million, the $20 million, the $50 million film, $5 million film. And you can still crank out a good quality product, quote-unquote, uh, with a smaller budget like that. Now, you're not going to get probably, you know, you're not going to get Christian Bale, although you might. It depends on the story. It depends on the script. You probably get Michael Caine to do something like that because he's a working actor. I mean, we've seen his interview about Jaws. Uh, what was it, Jaws 2 that he was in? And he says, it bought my mother a nice house. Uh, you know, and, and, and you have those actors out there who are like, this is a paycheck. I have bills to pay. I've got obligations. I've got things I want to do. I need some financial security. I do this one in order to do this other one over here. All of these different things. And if you did a $10 million film, a $20 million film, you could carve out a little piece and get a name or two, depending on what kind of roles you've got, and drop them in, you know, hey, Michael Caine, would you like to work for a day and make uh, make three million dollars? Here, let's do this. Or or a million five and some points on the back end. If we sell anything on the DVDs, you'll get a piece of it. You know, you, there's all sorts of different ways that you can work that deal. And it's one of those things where, you know. We need to be getting back to those things because, you know, you're right, Dave. It is trillion is the next mark. And I don't think Hollywood's got it in them. They don't have that kind of steam to get to the trillion dollar mark. We're, we're I think we have peaked. <clears throat> I don't think we're going to see very many more billion dollar movies now the mission impossible films probably will but your marvel films i don't think your marvel films are going to hit billions anymore dc might get one or one or two uh flash is it, flash is not going to cross a billion for various reasons i mean they're they're kind of behind the eight ball on that one. And I know everybody's upset they're going to get a, a Super Bowl trailer and they're throwing some marketing into this thing. <clears throat> but they almost have to at this point. I mean, you've got, what, $200, $250 million wrapped up in making this film. It's it's different from writing off Batgirl for $75 million, you know. So they're, they're kind of... They're, I, don't, I don't think it's going to make a billion. And part of that is is Ezra, the Ezra Miller situation, but I think also part of it is going to be people who sit there and say, well, we're not going to support DC because of what they did to Henry Cavill. We're not going to support DC because of what they did to Ray Fisher. We're not going to, you know, and, and <laughs> that brings up, <sighs> folks, 
listen, if you're in the Snyder camp, more power to you. That's fine. But please don't do this. This is a post. This is a screen grab, apparently from a Reddit thread, probably. Uh, I, I guess the Snyderverse people are a little upset what happened to Henry Cavill. And so now there's this thing <coughs> with regard to San Diego Comic-Con 2023. And this is one of these things that says, It's time, boys, to do the do. We will own SDCC. Save up. It'll be a day for the history books. They'll know not to F with the supporters of the Snyderverse. Let's get the ball rolling. More details will have to be released on a more private domain and briefing on what will go down. We won't stop until they take us out by any means necessary. You must realize we are at war with wicked powers. Think about Cavill, Ray Fisher, Gal, Affleck, Jason. This is for them. Death before the dishonor. This is dumb. Don't do this. What, what do you hope to accomplish with this crap? I mean, really? Snyderverse is done. Flash is the last gasp of the Snyderverse, for good or ill. And the whole point of Flash is a Flashpoint reset. So, <laughs> coming out of the Flash, we've got a whole new universe, a whole new multiverse. And they could go anywhere they want with it. And James Gunn and Peter Safran will go wherever it is that they want to go. And Snyder's done. There's, there is no Snyderverse anymore. You know, it, and people can make arguments that, you know, Suicide Squad and, and, and Peacemaker were, were part of that. Peripherally, maybe. But you're not going to get any more Snyder stuff. And it's entirely possible that all of those actors are done. Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa has been playing Lobo this whole time anyway, so I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back as Lobo instead of Aquaman. And I still am waiting to see a screen-accurate Barry Allen. We have yet to see a Barry Allen in filmed media Outside of animation, we have yet to see a Barry Allen that is accurate and faithful to the source material. However much you might think that they did okay on the CW series, we have yet to get an actual Barry Allen in film and TV. Even, even back in the 90s, John Wesley Shipp was not a faithful to the comic book Barry Allen. I'm just saying. The Flash is the last bit of the Snyderverse. And it's basically a big boulder rolling down the hill. And nobody can stop it at this point. Otherwise, there's going to be a whole lot of pain involved. And it could very well be that there are some contractual obligations that they got to take into account on that stuff as well. Remember what happened with Black Widow. And the stuff that came out of that with regard to theatrical release versus streaming and all this other stuff, there are, uh, <coughs> for, a lot of these, uh, for a lot of these contracts, there are payouts built in to a schedule post-release. So, you know, it releases, if it makes this much money, you get this much. If it makes this much money, it gets this much. After a certain amount of, uh, after six months, you get this. 
after 12 months and this and that and the other. So all of these different structured payouts are part of that contract. It's entirely possible that Warner Brothers looks at the Flash and says, it's going to cost us more to shut this down than to just get it out there and release it and let it go. So all of all of these people saying that Warner Brothers is supporting Ezra Miller, I don't think that's the case. I think this is one of those business decisions because remember what remember where Zaslav's head is at, right? Remember where David Zaslav is coming into this deal with Warner Brothers Discovery. There, how many billion dollars in the red? We have to cut expenses. We have to cut expenses. We have to cut expenses. He could take the write-off, except if this thing costs more to cut it out and kill it and adds to the debt of the company, it's a bad business decision. Best thing to do is just spend the bare minimum on promotion, which is why I think they're going to do a Super Bowl thing, and it's probably going to run once, just like the 1984. It'll run once on the air. It'll probably go onto YouTube. People will watch it or they won't. And obligation is done. We've marketed the film. It comes out. People see it. They don't see it. It won't be out in theaters for six months. It's not going to last that long. It won't cross a billion. And they'll say, okay, we put it out there. People watched it. People didn't watch it. Now let's drop it onto HBO Max and be done with it. I think this is the best of a bad situation for, for Zazlav, honestly. Because they inherited this project. Michael DeLuca, Pam Abney, James Gunn, Peter Safran, David Zazlav, all of them. They all are getting this bag from AT&T. So they're... Okay, what do we do with this? Do we set it on fire? Or do we put it out there and hope for the best? Let's just get past it. It's 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 we got to rip the band-aid off. Put it out there, be done with it. And use it to reset the whole thing. I think that's probably one of the things why what they were doing with all of the reshoots that they had here not too long ago. We'll see. I don't know. And all of the rumor is that everybody's happy with the story that's being told. Put, put the Ezra Miller thing aside for a minute. And I know that's hard to do. But we've talked about this before a number of occasions, separating the art from the artist, separating the, the work from the person that's doing it. If you take the, the Ezra Miller situation and set that over here in a box and say, okay, that, that's a thing, but... <clears throat> if you analyze the, the Flash on its own merits by itself in a, in a sandbox, the word is that this is a fairly decent film. <clears throat> and, okay, we're stuck with it. How do we use it to our advantage? How do, we, how do we use this to set up the new universe, the DC universe that's coming out of this? They have to be looking at this as, okay, how do we make the best of the bad situation? That's my guess. I don't have anybody in the inside sitting there going, oh, hey, this is what's happening. I would love to have people on the inside telling me what's happening. I 
don't have anybody on the inside. We're not big enough yet, which is why all of you minions need to go out there and start spreading the word that we're a really great channel and everybody should be watching us. Right? I think it's I think it's one of those I think it's I think it's strictly a business thing. I think they're stuck. I, who knows? We'll see. Speaking of uh, <coughs> speaking of the numbers for for uh, Avatar and Top Gun Maverick, uh, this is a comparison here. I want to show you. This is how uh, Avatar is tracking compared to Top Gun Maverick. Uh, if you look at this chart, let me uh, let me blow this up here. Uh, the blue line here is Top Gun Maverick. The red is Avatar The Way of Water. And right now, it is tracking about the same kind of arc uh, for box office numbers as Top Gun Maverick. Now, I don't think that Avatar is going to be out in theaters as long because I don't think that James Cameron has the kind of clout that Tom Cruise has to sit there and say, we're going to keep this in theaters for as long as it's as long as people are watching it and it's making money. So I don't think that it's going to track completely like Top Gun. Uh, but we're going to get some we're going to get some similarity here. I think I think it's going to do, you know, I like I said, I, a billion five if 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 they're if they're lucky. We'll see. <coughs> So, I don't know. What about, says, plenty of YouTubers have been shilling for Avatar 2 enough. I I haven't seen a lot. I mean, people are talking about it, and I've seen some people, and, in, 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 you know, Jeremy over at Geeks and Gamers is one of them, uh, who sat there and said, I didn't have very very much in the way of expectations. I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't go in expecting to like it. I was just, okay, it's here. I'm going to go see it. And there are people that are sitting there saying it's better than I expected it to be. Uh, and a lot of that <laughs> is the family-centric story uh, that's at the at the core of the of the movie. And now, you, of course, you've got and you know military-industrial complex, white man bad type of thing, and you know the anti-military and the pro-environmental messaging and all of that is is in there. But the family story in the core of it, everybody says that's worth watching. And of course, you know, you've got the technology of, of putting this, this putting this thing together and how much it look, you know, how great it looks, how pretty it is. And yes, Kate Winslet broke the record for holding her breath. It's over seven minutes. Okay. <clears throat> I guess that's worth a watch. But it, you know, people are sitting there saying it's it's okay. It's better than I expected, but everybody goes in with really low expectations, so of course it's going to be better than you expect. I, I personally, I'm not expecting anything. I do feel like I need to kind of go and watch it at some point so I can be an informed commentator. <coughs> but, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, and yes, <laughs> Death Angels, the whole the whole thing about uh, the about the lack of diversity and and we're we're uh, we're uh, appropriating people of color cultures now. I can see 
in the abstract, if you take the blue part out of it, if you take that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's... The, the Earth is not populated with blue meanies or Smurfs or anything like that. So we, we can't do cultural appropriation there. But I think it does go back to Cameron's political, uh, the, the whole, yeah, woke, woke ideology thing, basically saying, you know, uh, the, the industry, the, the industrialized nations are bad and the indigenous tribes are good uh, inherently. And, and yeah, <laughs> that's probably, you know, baked into his thing. In into the into the story, but I do find it amusing that people are complaining that you know, we're doing the whole cultural appropriation for the Navi because I don't I haven't seen anything that would indicate that the Navi culture is any different than it was 13 years ago in the first film. So I, who knows? I mean, it, we need to go back to making 20 million dollar films. We need to go back to making $15 million films, $30 million films. Quit making these $250, $270, 300000000 dollars movies that everything depends on it. I think we need to move past the tent poles and the franchises. And I gotta say, I'm a little... What happened to my camera? Nope, oh, there it goes. That was weird. OBS just kind of Froze. Are we back? Are we back? We're back. Okay. That was strange. Anyway, I I I I find it ironic that I'm in agreement of sorts with Ryan Johnson. Uh, now we have. Last Jedi is The Last Jedi, and I hate The Last Jedi. I absolutely loathe The Last Jedi. But, Ryan Johnson, I do think, has a point with his complaint here. This is Variety. Um, Glass Onion is out, and if you look at all of the posters, you look at all the, all of the, all of the marketing materials, it says Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. Ryan Johnson is a little peeved that he had to do that. <coughs> this is uh, this is from Variety. When it comes to Ryan Johnson's acclaimed Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, the director has one bone to pick with the movie's official title, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Speaking to The Atlantic following the film's December 23rd streaming debut on Netflix... Johnson expressed frustration over having to add a Knives Out mystery to the film's title for marketing purposes. Uh, quote, I've tried hard to make them self-contained, Johnson said about his Knives Out film. The only overlap between the 2019 original and its 2022 sequel being Daniel Craig's detective character. Quote, honestly, I'm peed off that we have a Knives Out mystery in the title. You know, I, I want it to just be called Glass Onion. I get it, and I want everyone who liked the first movie to know that this is next in the series, but also, the whole appeal to me is it's a new novel off the shelf every time, Johnson added. But there's a gravity of a thousand suns towards serialized storytelling. That's the key right there. 
that's the that's the nugget there is overwhelming stress from Hollywood that everything has to be a franchise everything has to be a series of films a long form video all these things you know the shared universe stuff everything has to be this big thing Right? All of these tent poles, you know, these Marvel movies and these DC movies and these Star Wars movies, all of this stuff. Doctor Who is even going to get into it because we're going to have multiple series spinning off after the 60th anniversary stuff. We're going to get new Doctor Who universe stuff because now they have money from Disney+. Plus. Torchwood will probably come back in some way, shape, or form. Who knows what other kind of things we're going to get. Everything has to be a franchise. Everything has to be a shared universe, a multiverse. And again, ends up being very, very expensive when you do that kind of thing because obligations become a certain thing and marketing becomes a certain thing and the expectations and everything else. And not everything needs to be a franchise. It doesn't. And but but I think it's very telling what what Johnson says here. He says there's a gravity of a thousand suns towards serialized storytelling, and he's right. You can't just do a one and done movie. Not anymore. Not easily. That's why you need the lower budget. And in the in the publishing world, that's the mid-list. You know, where where did the mid-list books go? Because you have some authors out there who are writing books in the mid-list category, in the mid-list range, and they're not trilogies and quadrilogies and quintilogies and and series after series after series after series after series after series and you have to read 25 books in order to read this next one we have gotten so enmeshed in this idea of franchises that individual stories are suffering we don't have as many anthologies of short stories anymore. We were talking to Barry McAllister about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's got a new anthology out called Stealing God and Other Stories. We need more short story collections. We need more short stories being printed in magazines like Asimov's and Analog and whatever we end up calling ours, Fangoria and, and, and the like. We need more short stories. We need more short fiction. And we need one-off films. You know, make a movie and be done. Tell your story and and you, one film. One TV movie. One limited series. Tell the story. Be done telling the story. And go on to tell some other story. We don't need everything to be a franchise. We don't need sequels to everything we don't need prequels to everything 
We don't need sequels to prequels. And we don't need prequels to prequels. And we don't need prequels to sequels. And we don't need requels. And we don't need reboots. And we don't need reimaginings. Give me something original. But Hollywood is afraid of that. Hollywood is scared to death to do anything original. But at the same time, the audience doesn't necessarily respond to the franchise stuff all the time either. At some point, everybody is going to get burned out. Now, the people that pay attention to this stuff, people like us, people like you, you know, we're watching this kind of stuff. We're watching the activity. We're watching the performance of all this stuff, the ratings and the reviews and, and everything that's going on out there. And your normal people, your normies, are sitting there going, "Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, well, it's okay. It's 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 mindless entertainment. It's an escape. I'll go pay some money. I'll go put, you know, whatever. Watch it on a stream or watch it in the theater." But some people are starting to notice. Some people are starting to get burned out. Some people are starting to sit there and go, "This is not very good." Case in point: The Witcher, Blood Origin. Rotten Tomatoes score here on the critic side, 33%. On the audience average, 10%. Now, stop and consider when they did the premiere, the red carpet, and everybody come by and says, hey, here's all the reasons why you should watch this movie or watch this series. One of the reasons why is because you've got a deaf actor. You've got a deaf performer playing a character in this show. Okay. How does that sell me on the story? And and <coughs> a lot of people were talking about the fact that you have you have this ancient lore fantasy series set in a completely different realm of reality and this performer is using American sign language. Not a made up sign language. Not a not a created, crafted sign language like you get in Avatar or The Mandalorian. But, okay, American Sign Language in The Witcher. And another reason to watch this is because this is going to have the, Witcher's, the Witcher franchise's first kiss between two men. How is that a selling point for the story that you're trying to tell? It's not. And you see the response here. Now, at some point, I imagine that the, the bots will kick in and the money will flow and Rotten Tomatoes will make some adjustments on these scores like they have done, like they do. But right now, this is not looking very good. Right now, it's like, well, nobody's nobody's watching this thing. And the people that are watching this thing don't like it. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. What about says the diversity casting already informed me the show was going to be garbage. It, you know, there is something to that. <coughs> I think part of that... The, I'm of two minds about the diversity casting. One, one of the things that I look at, when, when you're talking about the cast of a, of a film or a TV series, 
I look at a couple of different things. Not necessarily the diversity per se. The first thing that I look at is if this story is based on source material, whether it's a video game or a a TV show that's made into a movie or it's a comic book or it's a novel or whatever, if it's based on source material, then the characters in the film, the characters in the TV show need to look like the characters as they're described, as they're portrayed in the source material. That's one of the reasons why I need a a blonde Barry Allen. The adaptation needs to be faithful to the source material in terms of the characters that you're going to portray. And if the characters in the source material are diverse, well, I expect the cast to be diverse. Okay, fine. If you give me a if you give me an icon and rocket movie based on the milestone comic book, I expect icon to be black, not Puerto Rican, not white, not Native American. I expect icon and rocket to be black because they're black in the comic book. If you're going to give me a Mr. Terrific film, I expect him to be black. If you're going to give me a Power Girl film, I expect her to be white and a blonde. And busty. You got to be faithful to the source material. That's like Michael B. Jordan talking about being Superman. He's like, well, if I'm Calvin, if I'm Calvin Ellis, sure, because that's faithful to the source material. But he's not going to play Clark Kent, and he knows it. But if you're going to do that, you got to be faithful to the source material. You, if, if you're going to mix it up, you got to have a reason why. And that's the rub on the second part of this. It's not just the casting. It's how they talk about the casting. Because if it's not faithful to the source material, then you need to have a story-driven reason why. Now, it's entirely possible that there are some characters in a story where it doesn't matter what their skin color is. Plenty of those. But, if you're going to cast diverse for the sake of diversity, if you're going to then market the show, look how diverse our cast is. And you're not going to market the story, well, then I already know that there are going to be problems. And if people are coming out like Bo DeMaio with regard to The Witcher, saying that the people in the writer's room don't have any respect for the source material, then I know that there's going to be problems. And Blood Origin is probably the same thing. You don't respect the source material, then how can I expect you? To deliver on a good adaptation. Or if it's not an adaptation, a story set in that universe. If you don't have any respect for the, for the original, if you don't have any respect for the source material, why would I give you my time and attention and money for something that I know 
is going to be off, let's say. And yeah, I, I know Rotten Tomatoes has got its credibility issues. Uh, all, going all the way back to Captain Marvel, I, I know that. Uh, Metacritic is out there. <laughs> There's a couple of other places where you can look at these scores and whatnot. IMDb's got stuff. But, you know, it's one of those things. Again, what do the normies talk about? Where are the normal people going to go? Where are your average Joe Sixpack, John Q. Citizen going to go for this kind of stuff? They go to Rotten Tomatoes because that's, that's the thing. It's top of mind. What does Rotten Tomatoes say? Well, Rotten Tomatoes is 33% of the critics, 10% audience score. Ooh, that's bad. <laughs> Dave says, I'm going to start using the phrase, I'm the customer and I'm the surgeon. I'm holding the scalpel. Without me, your business fails. See, and that's something that I have encouraged everybody here. When I, when I sit there and I say, it's your money. It's your vote. It's your time and attention. You are the ones in control. Social media has done its best to make us the product as opposed to being the consumer. We need to take back our control as consumers, as customers, when it comes to this kind of stuff. And that that's everything. That's movies. It's television. It's comic books. It's everything. Streaming services, uh, traditional publishing, novels, graphic novels, short stories, action figures, video games, all of it. We have to remember, and we got to be reminded every now and again, the customer is the one who makes the engine go. Kojima could sit there and say, we're going to make a big video game. You know, they, they come out with Death Stranding, right? If nobody buys Death Stranding, then Kojima gets the message, they don't, nobody wants this kind of game, so we make some other kind of game. Now, Death Stranding is very successful. I'm not, I'm not knocking that one. I'm just using that for illustrative purposes. If the customer says, I don't want that product, I want this product over here, and I'm going to spend my money on this product and not your product. Well, the people that are making the product that doesn't sell, they need to make some kind of an adjustment. Unless they're not in it for the money. And that's a whole nother discussion, because if you don't care how much money this thing makes or loses, if your purpose is something other than profit, say, messaging or cultural influence or some, some kind of a thing there with social engineering or propaganda or whatever, that stuff has to be stamped out as well. And the only way that you do that is to take all of your money away from those people that are making that stuff and put it into stuff that, that is opposite of that. Whether it's indie indie publishers, in you know, <clears throat> Comicsgate or it, any any indie comic publisher, any indie author, 
whether it's the sad puppies folks or the anti-sad puppies or the or the, the, the superversive movement or any of the it you put your money where you find something that you enjoy and is worth your time and attention that's that's what you've got to do that's same with same with with any any business any product from movies to bicycles to to swimwear i mean whatever it is you have to be the one who sits there and asserts control and says i'm the paying customer and when enough people do that and enough people sit there and go your product is preaching to me i don't want it then we're going to get more situations like the get broke, you know, get well, go broke type of thing, like what we're seeing here with IDW. IDW has been in financial straits for a very, very, very long time. But IDW Media Holdings is now sitting at $99, uh, 99 cents a share. <clears throat> Aftershock Comics has already filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. IDW is not long for this earth, I don't think. I, I would predict that in 2023, IDW files for Chapter 11 as well. And I would think that BuzzFeed is probably going to do the same thing. BuzzFeed is sitting at somewhere like 80 cents a share. <coughs> BuzzFeed is going away too this year. A lot of these traditional media sites, traditional publishing sites, are suffering from the fact that they've bought into, leaned heavily into messaging over entertainment. Message over news and information. I mean, everything gets filtered by a bias no matter what. It's the same, same here as it is anywhere else. I, I try to limit it. The bias is, is mine here on this show. I try to keep the brand from getting too, too biased. But this is an opinion show. This is a talk show. But when we go on, on Saturday morning and we're presenting news, it's like, okay, here's the news. There has to be a separation there. And a lot of these traditional media sites don't make that separation. They don't have that distinction between straight news and opinion. And they color everything that they put out in, 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 in their bias. And you're going to get BuzzFeed at 80 cents a share. You're going to get the Washington Post losing 500,000 subscribers. That kind of thing happens when you sit there and go, I don't like your product. I'm the paying customer. I'm going somewhere else. I'm taking my business elsewhere. Walt Disney Company sitting at $84.80. Now, I am not a financial advisor. I'm not going to tell you to buy or sell anything. But... Stocks are weird that way. I'm not familiar with this one. Keely says, I would love for a comic skater to make Peeping Tom into an actual comic book. I would back it on Indiegogo. I don't know that one. <clears throat> 
Um, I could be I could be revealing my age there. Um, I don't uh, I don't know that one. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you you look at you look at Eric July <coughs> with the Ripperverse. You look at what Mandy Summers is doing over there with Stuntman Comics. You look at uh, Michael Bancroft with the Lucent, and um, I think it was I think it's Luke Stone is putting together another website. Yeah, Indiegogo uh, is compromised now. Indiegogo's got to deal with Amazon, and Indiegogo is compromised. So some of the Comicsgate stuff is not show up on search. You know, shadow banned, suppressed. So let's let's sell things on our own site. Why not? I mean, uh, Bancroft has got a really nice site set up. He's he's using Shopify tools to sell his uh, Painted Death, the the second Lucent book. Mandy's Mandy's setting up her own thing. Um, I want to say John Malin's doing it too, but I'm not sure. You know, it, it Ethan's using eBay. There are various different options out there. I'm going to put a book out and I'm just going to sell it myself and not and not even go through Indiegogo or or Kickstarter because now they're both compromised politically and ideologically. Why would I give them my money? It's a business decision. It's the same as same as walking away from PayPal. <clears throat> you don't like my tweet and you're going to charge me $2,500? See ya. PayPal and Venmo both. Done. We don't use it anymore. I, I, I shut down I shut down our PayPal accounts. Gone. I I don't I don't ha- want to have anything to do with businesses that are going to uh you know do purity tests. Oh, Keo says Peeping Tom is a fictional comic book series on the real BBC. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not familiar. And now I've learned something. Thank you. See, you guys are here for my edification as well as enjoying and 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 appreciating what I do. So I appreciate what you do. So it's a it's a synergistic relationship here, right? It's what we do. It's how we do. I don't know. I just it, you have to you have to be willing to support the things that you find entertaining, enjoyable, worth the time, worth the attention, worth the effort. And who knows what that looks like, right? I mean, nine times out of ten, it's going to be some independent creator. Hopefully not a robot. Hopefully not a bot. We've got that story. I, I, we're not, I, I'm not going to get into it today. Uh, but, you know, we've been talking uh, on a number of occasions about AI and robotics and there's stuff brewing about, you know, chat, chat GPT coming in and and becoming a thing, you know, robots taking the place of people, you know, as a as a result of the pandemic, we couldn't get people out there. So now we've replaced people with robots. All this stuff, all this stuff is brewing out there. We are headed for a for a dystopian nightmare 2023, I think. That, it's me. I'm being doom and gloom, and I know it. I was talking to a friend of mine last night. She's like, you're all doom and gloom. It's not going to be that bad. I was like, yeah, it's going to be that bad. <clears throat> It'll get better. But is it going to get worse first? And you have to be ready. You have to be prepared. You have to be 
have to have to get all of your stuff for the apocalypse because it's coming. So, anyway, all right. Dave's got a question here. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, with this being episode four ninety nine, is there one thing that comes to mind that you're really proud of for Sci Fi for Me TV? Um, not one particular thing. I think there's two things that come to mind just right off the bat. You know, just at, as as a as a pop answer to that question. One, I'm proud of the team that's here. I'm proud of the people that have stuck around that are contributors to this to this whole thing that we do. Um, I am looking forward to some new some new talent that's coming on board. But the team that I've got here is really solid, and they know their stuff, and I'm real happy to be working with all of them. I wish I could pay them. That's that's my big thing. I, I, I would love to pay my staff, but I'm glad to have them on board. I'm really proud of the work that they put out. That's one. The other thing that I'm proud of is the fact that we have survived this long. We started in 2009, and we're still going. We're, you know, March will be our 14th anniversary, and <laughs> I don't know how how we've lasted this long. Um, but you know, we make do with limited resources and we do our, we do our thing and we just do what we do the best we can do. And, and you guys show up or not and, and we keep going. So I don't know. That's, that's the, that's the thing. That's what we do. So, uh, those are the things that I'm most proud of. Um, I'm sure there are some other things that I can point to as far as particular milestones or interviews that we've had and, you know, things that we've done. But in a broad sense, I'm proud of my team. I'm proud of the, I'm proud of the fact that we have survived this long. Uh, and hopefully we will survive another, you know, five or six years or however long. And we need to get to 2,200 subscribers first. Let's see. How, let's, let's get to that point and then we'll see what happens after that. So I don't know. So, uh, so yeah, so Friday, uh, is number 500. It is, it is a, a milestone episode. I'm sending out emails and invitations to a lot of people today, uh, to join us on Friday and the, uh, the, um, the, we'll do an open line Friday as well. So it's probably going to be a little bit of a longer show. We'll try to make sure that we get done in time for you guys to go over to, to Culture Casino's channel for the pre-flight. Uh, but yeah, we'll do that on on Friday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, the regular time. And we've got some stuff to announce. We have some stuff to reveal. We have some fun to be had. So uh, So all of that's going to be going on. Uh, on Friday. Hope you join us. And Dave says, my interview techniques are outstanding. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, my my model for interviews is Johnny Carson. So, uh, there's there's that. I, I'll, I'll give you that little nugget. Alright, so that's going to do it for us today. Thank you very much for being here, everyone. Don't forget, I am going to be preparing to make you all minions in the very, very near future. And we're going to have a lot of stuff that we're going to announce on Friday, so be here for that. And January 7th, we'll be back for Good Morning Multiverse, so no show this weekend, although we will drop the drop the weather around uh, this week. And uh, we'll be back on Friday with some surprises. 
be here. Share the link. We'll be telling everybody on social media. Oh, yeah, social media. You got to connect with us on social media. Here are all the places where you can connect with us on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Gab, Minds, MeWe, Parlor, Getter, Locals. All of those places you can find Sci-Fi for Me. Now, you don't have to connect with us on all of them. Connect with us on the ones that you use. You can discard the rest. As far as the video platforms go, Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, Twitch. We do have plans for Twitch. We've got a newsletter you can sign up for. We've got a Subscribestar account that uh, we don't use, but I need to update so you can send us money. And we got some other things going on. So there's all of that. That's it for us. Thanks for being here, everybody. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 